Hey everybody, welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. We are back after a uh, long time away. Uh, we've seen a lot of games happen in the time since our last episode, and there's been a lot of Devils news going on with the trade deadline swirling about. Moves continue to be made around the league, so we actually did see some action tonight, the night that we're recording, uh, that we'll talk about later on. But first and foremost, uh, John, hello. Hello, Dan. How you doing? It's been a busy time, it's especially been a... for the Devils. Yes, and they've been playing a lot of games, and they've been doing a lot of things that involve winning, and there's some not-so-winning things that they've been doing. But uh, let's talk about the games that we need to catch up to here on the podcast. And I believe, just to refresh my memory here, we left off before their road trip. Right. Well, we covered the Seattle game, mm-hmm. and that was the first game where Mr. Jack Hughes was going to be out week to week. Yeah, it was a very I, dramatic time for all of us. Right. I'm happy to report. I'll spoil things a little bit here. It turned out to just be a little over a week, mm-hmm. which is good. But, uh, yep, they started their road trip in Minnesota, and um, Minnesota, that game was like a lot of games in Minnesota where you just sort of scratch your head. Uh, Thomas Tatar was the hero. He scored uh, a brace in the second period to briefly put the Devils up 2-1. Uh, but uh, Mr. Joel Erickson Eck, he had the first power play goal to open the scoring. Ryan mm-hmm. Hartman had a goal in the third period. Um, Philip Gustafson made a lot of tough saves. Uh, the game went all the way into overtime. A very An overtime where three minutes and 30 seconds of it was pretty meh, you know, a lot of possession, a lot of tension. Nobody wants to make a mistake. And then the last 90 seconds was just a madhouse of activity Insane. Uh, yeah. for both sides. Um, the game goes to a shootout and lo and behold, the devils did not score in the shootout. Minnesota did. Oh, well, uh, Matt Zuccarello and Frederick Kudrow scored. You lose that game three, two. It's a shootout. What can you do? And it's Minnesota. Uh, yeah. They are, they're a quasi playoff team. Uh, if I briefly look at the st- standings as of this recording uh minnesota needed that game they're barely they're now in the wild card spot in the western conference and thanks to calgary and nashville not being very good um minnesota as long as they don't blow it completely they should be able to get there however that six and three record they now have in the shootout makes me think they're probably not going to be a very dangerous wild card team dan there's Mm -hmm. no shootouts in the playoffs to bail them out Right. So uh, regardless, the Devils wouldn't have to deal with them anyway. So uh, someone will dispatch them early on. But a shootout loss on the road, not the worst thing in the world. And in the next no. game, it looked like it was headed towards a similar extra time result. But, uh, you know, this game was equal parts unexciting and exciting at the same time. And it was too unexciting and too exciting at the same time, if you know what I mean. It was too unexciting against what is one of the worst teams in the league. And then it was too exciting at the end that it was so close in the margins that it took a last second, literally goal to win. Yeah. This was a game where Columbus, the devils now, mind you, Dan, the devils have not won a game in Ohio. That means Columbus. I don't think there were any games in Cleveland or uh, Cincinnati or Mm -hmm. Toledo, or, you know, I'm trying to think of any other Ohio cities that matter. Sorry. I can't think of any Dayton. Uh, Sure. Dayton, I guess, if you're a flyer. Anyway, um, this was a game where Columbus showed that they're much better than a 32nd place team as they kind of showed 
to me at least, Dan, that um, one of the major problems the Devils have developed since the beginning of 2023, where their game plan is so predictable that other mm. teams have figured out what to do against it. And um, as such, uh, Columbus really played above their level. Uh, the Devils were guilty of a penalty near the end of the first period. So even though Jaeger Sharangovich scored a lovely goal to open the scoring, Mr. Johnny Goudreau converted the power play with two seconds left on the clock uh, to tie it up. Jesper Bratt scores seven seconds off the opening faceoff where he just made yeah. Columbus look stupid. But then that gets held up. And then Adam Bokvist scores a goal that Mr. Vanacek would probably want to have back. And then there was just a lot of activity between um, – Mr. Merzlikens and Vanacek. Vanacek ended up being a star of the game, which should tell you how much Columbus tested him. Yeah. And again, the hero of the night ended up being a combination of Michael McLeod toe-dragging Andrew Peake out of his skates in the dying seconds of the third period. Ryan Graves just crashing to the net, figuring, hey, it's the end of the game. What, a, what care? I don't have to protect the point here. McLeod finds Graves in front, taps it in with 1.4 seconds left. Devils win 3-2, their first win in Ohio since 2017. Pretty good. And uh, again, it took till the last second, but a win is a win. You take those every single day. And they continued their trek through the Midwest and again, ran up against an opponent that they uh, earlier in the season were frustrated by. And again, met them, were frustrated by them yet again. Once again, a St. Louis Blues team that was without Vladimir Tarasenko as they traded him to our hated rivals um, about a week or so earlier. Mm-hmm. And they're even weaker now because they already traded away Mr. Um, O'Reilly. Noel Noel Chari and more importantly Ryan O'Reilly. He's now in Toronto, so you'll never hear the end of his hypeness. I'm sure he's the greatest thing since sliced bread since he's now a Maple Leaf. Nevertheless, um, similar to the Columbus game, St. Louis demonstrated that yeah, they can rip up the Devils game plan and make this into a more challenging game, only that Jordan Biddington played very well. And um you know, the Devils just made a lot of dumb mistakes in their own end of the rink. You know, Pavel Buchnevich scores on Blackwood's flank. Alexei Toropchenko finishes a ridiculously stupid play by the fourth line where Damon Severson commits a very stupid blind pass to the slot. Nobody was watching Jordan Cairo hanging out in the high slot, and he buries it to make it 3-1. You get a rare Eric Halla goal in 5-on-5, five five, which was lovely yeah. to make it close. But Braden Shen basically pulled away to make it 4-2. Uh, again, the Braden Shen goal was following Miles Wood throwing, getting hit with a Rule 48 penalty, Dan, for a legal check to the head of Sammy Blay. And um, yeah, Miles Wood was just awful in that game. He also infamously took himself offside on a potential breakaway, which um, that I took mean, some work. He, uh, he's he got to go, man. <laughs> I don't well, know how else to say it. Like. He did prove his usefulness later on this week, but man, oh man, I don't know. Yeah, but but exactly. But this was this was a more frustrating effort, and maybe this could have been the Columbus game. This mm-hmm. really could have been had you know if you move a couple saves, a couple bounces here and there. Um, it speaks again to the fact that the devil system has been figured out to a degree, and there's basically two comp, uh, two ways you can do this, Dan. It's very similar to college football, basketball, pick your sport. You can either say, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Good luck trying to stop it basically out execute your opponents mm-hmm. you know the most famous example being the new jersey devils of 1995 where they said yeah we're going to run a neutral zone trap you can try to do it but you're not going to do it as well as us because we all know how to do it perfectly which they mm-hmm. did or two you have to throw some adjustments to your game plan some wrinkles to at least throw the opponents off and the devils really need to do the latter and this game the fact that it was a 4-2 loss you struggled in columbus 
you struggled in Minnesota, you really should get it together and throw some wrinkles. However, they got it together for their for the ender, the road trip ender in Western Pennsylvania. It was the right time against another divisional foe where they played maybe one of their most complete games of the season against the Penguins. I mean, they've pretty much just buried the Penguins in spirit every time they've played them this year. I don't really know what else to say about this opponent. They, they've they really done well against them. Um, yeah. So, it, uh, yeah, they, they were pretty much in control from the jump. Yeah, I mean, initially, Pittsburgh got an early goal. I mean, of Jenny And Malkin. Jack Hughes returned. Let's not forget this game. Oh, that's right. Jack Hughes returned for this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big deal. He traveled with the team on the trip. Uh, Brendan Smith also, I think, returned to this game. But Brendan Smith played badly. So I'm not going to pump his tires here uh nevertheless yeah well, Jenny because he's not very good john yeah well if jenny malkin taps it in on the weak side uh from a power play on a rush nothing you yeah. can do about it and literally uh, less than a little over a minute later dawson mercer ties it up mm-hmm. uh, continuing and mercer's th- hot yeah, streak exactly this trend of quick response goals also not just goals but response goals correct like it's not like oh you gave up a goal and now you're going to suffer for the next 10 minutes it's like nope here's your equalizer there you go. Good. Game state reset. Exactly. Um, and Mercer in particular, you know, because of Jack Hughes is being out, he's been receiving more top six minutes as a winger. And thankfully, Lindy Ruff has decided I'm going to keep that while Hughes is returned. And Mercer is flourishing playing next to Mr. Heesher and Mr. Tatar. Um, also, Heesher has also found the score sheet. He's been goalless for about nine games. He absolutely broke this in the second period, which pretty much decided the game where Dougie Hamilton scores a power play goal. You love to see it. Yeah. And then later on, Nico Heischer and Sharon Govich have a beautiful give and go. Absolutely lovely. Frame it on the wall, put it in a museum where Heischer finishes it to make it 3-1. And you just know from that shorthanded goal, it was almost like, yeah, the Devils just have to not plots. You felt it. Penguins top unit. You felt it after the first, though. Even when it was tied 1-1, you're like, nah, like they're, they're in control of this game. They have this. And they did have this. And it went... Very well after that, again, continuing into the third period where Jesper Bratt picks up uh, his 22nd goal of the season. Yeah, and there was a little bit of drama when of Gen- when Jeff Petrie found of Jenny Malkin wide open down the middle, like Moses parting the seas, and scores, of course, because he's of Jenny Malkin. Uh, so it's 4-2 with less than five minutes to go. You think, okay, this could be a little rough here because, you know, if any team can uh, miracle a comeback, it's a team with Mr. Crosby, Mr. Rust, Mr. Gensel, Mr. Malkin, you know, pick your names. But the Devils held on pretty well. Mercer had an awesome clearance. Uh, a tough clearance to give Nico Heischer a very easy empty net goal to basically ice the game. And again, a huge return. Uh, Heischer had four points. Hughes had two assists in his return. Um, you know, and the Devils basically did a lot of favors for the wild card battle, which is massive right now um, by beating Pittsburgh in regulation. Also mm-hmm. helping their own cause, staying away from the Rangers, which is always a good thing. Right. So a good effort there from the Devils. And uh, they would continue on in the week. Hold on just a second here. Uh, yeah, they, they faced a team that was a natural boogeyman for them for years. And they it didn't start so well. But again, it was the kind of thing where you're looking at this game. And at a certain point, even when they're down or tied, you, you think they, they deserve better and they'll get better out of this game. And that's what happened against the Winnipeg Jets. This is a team that continues to uh, vex the Devils in some ways. And they went into the third period of this one down 2-1. 
after uh, a goal from Cole Perfetti gave the Jets the lead. Mercer responded again. You you couldn't even announce the first goal before Mercer responded. And then uh, a minute and a half-ish later, Neil Pionk made it 2-1. And that's how it stayed through the second. Yeah, and it was a bad period for uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. He gave up two goals on six shots. The first one, you know, okay. The rebound literally came to Perfetti all alone in front. I know lots of people like to bag on Blackwood's rebound control, myself included, but there's the real issue is why is Cole Perfetti all alone in front of the net? You mm-hmm. know, the Pianco was just bad. That was just a bad goal From to allow. Way oh, outside. Yeah. It, I, I understand. Oh, there was there was a screen. Not really, my dude. Yeah. Not really. But uh But it's okay, because the, the second was admittedly pretty good for him, and so was the third. Exactly. And the Devils went from strength to strength. Uh, Weirdly, and this was noted on the broadcast, Winnipeg is like one of the most defensively stout teams in the league. Like they do a lot of low event hockey relative to, um, say, Pittsburgh, who Mm -hmm. has one of the weaker defenses in the league. And this this game really had it. I mean, they kept the Devils to under 30 shots. Winnipeg themselves only had 25 total. Um, You know, in, in some respects, as much as I've been talking about how other teams have figured out how to play against the Devils, Pittsburgh real like Pittsburgh's top unit did that to the Devils, but none of the other units on the Dem- Penguins did that. And the Jets weirdly didn't, you know, pick on the Devils as much as they could have, I think. For mm-hmm. as uh, defensively strong as they were, I think Paul Maurice uh, got it wrong, so to speak. And ultimately, the Devils went from strength to strength, and the third period turned out to be a boon as uh, Eric Halla had a beautiful pass to Fabian Zetterlund right in front for the uh, equalizer. And then Michael McLeod with the Dazzler, a behind-the-back no-look through yeah. the legs pass to Miles Wood, who just got enough of the puck. He didn't hit it cleanly, Dan, but it doesn't matter because it went into the net. And Miles Wood scored his first goal of the month, his first goal since January. Keep Apparently that line is going to stay together now. But hey, oh, you're up 3-2. You're, you're Yep. And then um, right at the end of the game, while the Devils are holding on, Halla flips it out. Mercer skates like a bat out of hell, Dan. Like this whole play. Actually, I want to talk about this whole play, Dan. So it's a defensive zone draw, right? Winnipeg takes yeah, a yeah. timeout. Uh, the Devils win the faceoff. Uh, Graves reverses it around. And Mercer is chasing it. He runs into the referee. The official tried to get out of the way, but he couldn't. So Mercer yeah. effectively got blocked by the refs. This was the best part. This is in the bottom, uh, let, let's say in the zone, we're talking bottom left if you're looking devil zone up top. So yeah. Mercer goes bottom left to top right of the devil zone in what is what can only be described as immediately after that. He does nothing in between. He runs Correct. into the ref, he gets up, and then he goes straight for where the puck is going to be. Exactly. It's a full credit to Ryan Graves for winning the puck behind the net because the Jets could have easily bottled it up there, established possession. Like they got a free play out of it. But Graves won the puck back, gets it around the corner to Halla. Halla gets it out. And Mercer is skating like a bat out of hell. Absolutely torches the Jets, scores an empty netter. Cole Preferti takes a shot at him at Afterward, everybody still talks about how Mercer has that dog in him. It's one of the more impressive empty net goals you're ever going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it basically awesome. sealed up it sealed up a third period that was actually great for the Devils, sealed up a 4-2 win over, as you said, a Winnipeg team that uh, has always given the Devils fits. Uh, to their credit, Winnipeg is a good team this season. Connor Hellebuck is a very good goaltender. Uh, they do have a defensive system that frustrates opponents, but the Devils came from behind, won big, and oh yeah, now they have a win over every team in Canada this season. I cannot possibly tell you the last time the Devils have done that, and I'm pretty sure that when it was, they didn't have 
seven Canadian teams. Also, hey, the vibes are good. They're winning games they shouldn't be winning. They're winning games they should be winning. They're they're losing close ones that they could have won as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until uh, yesterday, um, where it's a classic. You know, you could have th- this game could have gone the other way, but it just didn't. It just wasn't your night in more ways than one. Not only were they not executing on basic plays that they've executed on all season, everyone just looked to step off the entire night. Uh, the Stars barely got any opportunities the entire game, and uh, the Devils got goalied on top of all of that. Despite the fact that their Stars were limited opportunity-wise the entire game, they still managed to uh, stack up the shot opportunities on Montreal and just couldn't put it past Montembo. And again, wasn't the best players taking the shots. Maybe that's why they weren't going in. Well, I mean, you're leading. Well, I mean, Jack Hughes did have four shots. It's not like he had nothing. But you, oh, your yeah. point is well taken, though. Um, a lot of the execution just wasn't there. There were some shifts where the Devils had like five shooting attempts, which is you know, normally great, except when you see, oh, yeah, they all came from 50 feet away by Brendan Smith or Ryan Graves. Like, right. my dude, um, work it inside. I mean, to the, I mean, and the, Hughes the game looked crisp, you know, like he didn't have his usual directly snapping it where it needs to go. The usual control wasn't there for the whole team. It just, everyone looked a little bit off. They looked like uh, maybe a little tired. Well, you're right. And and Lindy Ruff did say after the game that, you know, John Marino was supposed to be out for this game with an illness, non-COVID, but just regular illness. Lindy Ruff did say after the game that um, one, Marino did play. And two, other guys have been fighting through illnesses too. So there is some, legitimacy to the fact of maybe everybody wasn't 100 however this is the nhl dan you're not yeah. going to get any sympathy from anybody and oh no you have to you have to give a lot of credit to montreal because three out of the four goals that they scored against vitek vanacek were all scored basically the same way it's we're gonna we're gonna force the devils to overcommit on one side and we're gonna pass it to the guy who's wide open on the weak side specifically yep. to vanacek's left pass shot score pass shot score pass shot score throw in a nick suzuki uh screamer that vanacek really should have stopped or done something out of he was just yeah. frozen by the shot you're that's four goals my dude like it doesn't matter if it's montreal or boston um you give up four goals and if montembo is only going to allow one in the interim you're probably going to lose the game and the devils did um yeah. you know that's the weak side stuff it's a bad the, the weak side one concerns me because it just speaks to a larger issue and this was a bigger issue the last two seasons not so much this season but it's like the devils still have this tendency to just focus on the puck too much when they're not committed to the details on defense. Mm-hmm. And when you focus too much and you overload on one side of the rink, you better damn well get the puck. Cause if you don't, it's going to go to the wide open guy and that guy's going to have all the time in the world and catch the goalie in movement. It's going to be a great opportunity for them to score. And Montreal scored three times that way. You know, I think it does speak to a systemic issue with um, how the devils generally perform it, but either Vanacek or Blackwood makes the stop. And therefore we don't think about it or two, the devil's, don't concede it as much as it looked like, but they did so in Montreal. And again, Montembeau faced goodness, 81 shooting attempts, 40 of them actually got to him, which speaks to the devil's wastefulness. Like Montreal blocked a ton of shots. Um, But Montembeau made a lot of tough saves. You got to see a rare Brendan Smith breakaway where he actually put off a pretty good move, Dan, but uh, Montembeau was on top of it. He even made a save that he didn't see, which is, you know, as you said, it's probably not your night. And yeah, Dawson Mercer continues to have that dog in him. He piled in a rebound. Miles Wood gets his first power play point of the season. Um, literally, that's not a joke. Yeah, yeah that's um, crazy. 
yeah, you lose five two. Um, it stinks. You know, it's 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 a bad loss. But hey, if you rebound from it, that's all you're just gonna say. It was a bad loss. Every every team has bad losses like that. Boston has a loss against Arizona this season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carolina has losses to Nashville. They needed they lost in shootouts to Columbus, and um, they they needed a miracle to beat San Jose in overtime last month. So I mean, it happens to everybody. You just have to hope that the Devils don't make it a habit because again. The system issues really need to be um, adjusted so this way teams can just stop picking on them on this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and they should uh, do well to figure that out before their next stretch of games. They have kind of a weird one coming up because next they see Los Angeles at home, followed by Philadelphia on Saturday the 25th. Should be a fun one there. But then mm-hmm. they don't play again until Wednesday when they start their road trip uh, starting in Colorado, moving to Vegas then Arizona, and that's probably as far as we'll go uh, looking forward on this episode. But yeah, uh, interesting stretch coming up in the, well, I guess not fully West Coast, but the Southwest um, as they take on Colorado, Vegas, and Arizona. And again, the game against Philadelphia, they have not played them well this year. That's when you look at and say, we have to prove a point here um, because they cannot be dropping those points. Uh, That being said, I don't know that the urgency to be the home team for the first round is necessarily there, given how they've played at home compared to on the road. But uh, the principle of the thing, you know, the principle, win games. Not only that, but, you know, keep in mind the Devils have been awesome so far. Yeah. But how many times have you seen this where a team looks awesome for five, six months out of the se- or five months out of the six month season. And then they start falling apart. And then it's almost like you're in despair. You know, yeah. it'd be one thing if the devils were this awesome home team, like Toronto or Boston or Tampa Bay, who amazingly all have at least 22 wins at home already. Um, weirdly enough, the devils seem to be almost mortally locked in with our hated rivals for a first round matchup. And the rate and, and, the, and New York also has a not so great home. Re- like they have a good home record, like the devils, but it's not a great one. So you know, flip a coin per se, but I would rather have the first last change at home. I would rather have the familiarity. I'd rather have the home crown to establish yourself in the series. Mm-hmm. And hey, the Devils have beaten our hated rivals at home, so yeah. you know that's always a plus. And um, uh, yeah, we've so so we've alluded to a couple things that we're going to talk about as well with um, you know, the the injury returns of both John Marino and Jack Hughes, and the illness of John Marino and apparently everybody else. Uh, on the team, but also yesterday in practice, there was an injury to Mackenzie Blackwood. He tweaked yep. something, and so Akira Schmid was called up, and he is now with the Devils. So, which of those games do you think he gets? That we just I don't mentioned? think he gets any because amazing, weirdly enough, the Devils, you know, they play every other night. They yeah. don't have any consecutive games until March 11th, March 12th, and unless Blackwood's injury is that significant. You know, if that's the case, it's probably March 11th when you're at Montreal, you know, you're playing a last place Atlantic t- team. I guess if you want to give Benichek a break, you can give him, you could give Schmid the Arizona game on the 5th, March 5th. Right. Um, but here's the point I, I wanted to make here is that the, 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 after next week, you know, you're going to have three straight weeks of four games in seven nights. Mm-hmm. Like the schedule, like if you thought this week has been punishing you know, it's because the Devils, you know, they played three road games in seven days last week, and now they're midway through a four-game home stretch in seven days. It's still a lot of games. It's a lot of time, and not a lot of time to practice. As Lindy Ruff said, like we're we're taking days off because we need the extra rest, partially because 
the team may be sick, but also you just need to rest guys. At this point of the season, it's less about, you know, are you following your game plan and more about recovery because you're in that really grindy part of the season. And, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, Dan, we've been not, we haven't yet to mention this. There's a trade deadline next Friday. <laughs> well, yeah, hold on. Before we get there, because there's yeah. a lot to say there, there's two other pieces of news regarding the Devils that uh, were dropped by Kevin. Actually, one definitely regards the Devils. The other probably doesn't regard the Devils or maybe regards them in some way, but we can't be sure yet because nothing's official. I'm, of course, talking about his drop of a potential preseason series game in uh, Australia, in Sydney. Uh, that sounds really cool. But he also mm-hmm. tweeted that announcement, a picture of the Opera House with a picture of the great Garden State itself. Uh, what that news actually was, was that there's going to be a stadium series game at MetLife um, next or yeah, probably next year. I would guess that it involves the Rangers. Uh, yeah, I, I can't really imagine that it could be anybody else except them or the Philadelphia Flyers uh, in that position. So those easily make the most sense to me i don't know about you but um and the flyers make way less sense than the rangers anyway but that being said um that's exciting news it's it's a good spotlight for the devils it's their what second outdoor game yeah at first it has to be made official uh, according to weeks and um you know greg wasinski it's been talked about that uh you know they're they're in the preliminary stages but they would like to go to metlife stadium which makes sense metlife has been open since 2010 2011 now that they've just they had an awesome show out at and rally for the uh at nc state stadium between the uh, hurricanes and the capitals mm. where they filled in 62,000 people keep in mind metlife is another 20,000 people larger than that like their their setup for professional football is something like 82 500 which means yeah it's gonna have to be devil's rangers mm-hmm. because you know, as much as you, I know people online will say, well, well, why not introduce a West Coast team? Why not introduce the Sabres? Why not introduce, you know, the Penguins? And it's like, guys, 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 this is in North Jersey. It's right across the river from New York City. If you want to fill the stadium, the NHL does not want to have a non-sellout here. You, when they want to sell out the game. You put in the two local teams it's that have perfectly- the hated rivalry. Like it's perfectly time to happen after this inevitable playoff series that's coming up as well. And yeah, <laughs> and not only that, but the teams are still viable. This isn't like gonna and also it's been a while since the previous stadium series game, the ill-fated game at Yankee Stadium. I mean, Yarmir Yager was in that game for the Devils. Yeah, it's it's been a minute. Um so this would definitely be I mean, Lungfist was in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Oh was yeah. It? Yeah, exactly. It's and oh, Mordor yeah, was definitely. in that game. That yeah, was yeah, his, yeah. For sure, it's burial, um, as Mike Stromberg put it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's been it, there's it's been a long time. It's not something that it, you know. It's like oh, they're just going back to the well. Like both teams have not been in a stadium game for quite a while, and the last time the our hated rivals were in City Field of all places. Mm-hmm. I got to think MetLife will have a better setup for hockey than baseball stadiums, but we'll see. We'll should see if we, they make it work. Well, should be pretty fun. Let's see. Let's see what the official announcements have in store for us. So, uh, John, in the interest of time and uh, knowing when we're recording this and knowing the fact that everyone who listens to this show more than likely has read enough articles about Timo Meyer at this point to know <laughs> the situation on that end. Let's leave that for the 15 million other places that have talked about Timo Meyer to the devils. What I want to hear from you instead 
is uh, maybe name some other potential targets they could go for if this whole Timo Meyer situation doesn't work out. Because what it seems to be is that they're waiting to hear that he has an extension in place. Great. Nothing's going to change on that front, it feels like, um, in the next couple of days. Uh, th- there's no there's no movement there. So what can we look for in terms of moves the Devils could make to supplant that potentially? Well, the first thought that comes to mind is Adam Henrique, who's been having a fine season on a really, 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 really awful Anaheim team. He does have an additional season left on his contract, so it's not like you have total control, but it's, you know, it's viable. You can hang, you can have him around for a season or two as a depth center. Uh, unfortunately, he got hurt, so you might you might need to scratch his name off that list too. So I let in with a candidate that probably isn't one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. But a good idea in spirit. But a good idea. Um, Some Devil fans, some of the people who matter, have wished for Lawson Krause out of Arizona, since Arizona seems to be in the business of selling off. They just acquired Shea Weber's contract just to reach the cap floor. So, you know, they're in the business of selling as well. Classic. It also opens up Las Vegas to possibly go after Timo Meyer. So, you know, hey, I just ruined everything. I just ruined everybody's hopes. They've got like a 2011 super team that they're building at uh, expired contracts, basically. Got Pavel Dotsuk, Shea Weber. Ownership wants to keep winning, and Arizona wants to keep... keep, I I don't know what Arizona's game plan is, to be honest with you. Um, They're just just hanging out. It's uh, it's something. They're just... They're, they're, they're just chilling at Arizona State. Anyways, uh, Lawson Kraus would be somebody that I know some of the people who met or have coveted for his blend of size and beefiness and wingerness um, would definitely be an upgrade over the Nathan Bastions and Miles Woods of the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, I could that's one potential option. I will come ahead out and say I want the Devils to avoid Patrick Kane. Yep. Um, Mr. Kane, first of all, wants to go to Manhattan really badly. He's made mm-hmm. that fairly clear when he went to the public and said, I'm unhappy they acquired Tarasenko. Oh, he's being a baby about it. No, he said today, if there's some way they could still make it work, he'd like to go there, which is, uh, I've never seen way, anything way to, like it. Way to ruin the uh, negotiation stance, oh my uh, God. Pat, but, you know. Like, yeah, what but is the guy, It's so sad. Like, if, if this was Patrick Kane of a couple years ago, I'd say, yeah, Devils, jump on that right away. But the guy's offense is fading a little bit. He's got hip problems, and yeah, he does not play defense whatsoever. He is a defensive liability. The Devils do not need a defensive liability like Patrick Kane. Uh, goodness, I'm racking my brain here in terms of Van Riemsdyk. Talk about Van Riemsdyk a bit. Well, my dream is well, not my dream, but a really good option uh, would be Travis Konechny. Like mm-hmm. if you can't well. get Meyer, hey, Konechny's got control. Konechny plays a similar game to Meyer. Konechny's very familiar with the area. I think his <laughs> game's very good, even though he's a big fat jerk, but. You know, he's a flyer. What do you expect? Um, Van Rimsdyk has always been a player I've respected. He's always been a very productive goal scorer. I don't know how many more, how much gas he has left in the tank. He would definitely fit more the role of a of a rental. And I know Tom Fitzgerald has said over and over again, he doesn't want a rental. But if you're not going to get Meyer, you're not going to get Henrique. You know, if you're not going to aim for, uh, you're not going to aim for uh, others, you know, you may have to settle for a rental here. Um, there are some other options that Jared wrote about today that I think are interesting. I think if St. Louis is in the position of selling off crazily, which they are now, whether they want to admit it or not, Ivan Barbashev and Pavel Butchnevich might be fine options to add to your roster. They're fine wingers, and Butchnevich in particular would be would be fun to have against our hated rivals in the playoff series, mm-hmm. since he used to spend a lot of time there. 
Ah, uh, goodness. Uh, Jared also actually wrote about Venrims like in Konechny too. Um, you know, Venrims like again would be more or less a rental. I like the idea, but not so much. Yeah. I don't think Panther, I don't think Florida is actually going to sell. They're getting Anthony Declare back right now and they're still in the hunt, even though they have a very, very, very big disadvantage in terms of games played. Yeah, but anyone's uh, got a chance down there. Yeah. And, um, the Devils didn't pick up on Jacob Vrana when he was on waivers, but I know Vrana's had issues with um, the player assistance program, which usually is a sign of like he's he's got bigger issues in hockey right now. So I think that's kind of why everybody just sort of hung out on him. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi is a fine player. Mm-hmm. You know, again, he's kind of like if you can't get Meyer and you're obviously not going to get Konechny, you can go get Tyler Tyler Bertuzzi. Um I think it's also it, safe to say from the going out perspective, uh, Severson's not going anywhere this season. At this moment, no. Yeah. Um, no, but the way the way the team is set up, definitely not. And I could be convinced that you an upgrade over Brendan Smith would be viable, but the problem Please. with that is again, you've got you got Luke Hughes and, and Simon Nemich coming in yeah. the very near future. So you would have to almost settle for a rental because otherwise then you're stuck with like too many. Too many defenders for too few spots. And this was supposed to be the bridge season for them to get here anyway. So you either be patient or you strike while the iron's hot in that department. I guess it's less urgent there, but still kind of feels bad to not upgrade a position that clearly needs one. Yeah, but I I will say that I really want the Devils to be buyers. Like they got to do something because, and I've said this in other places, I'll say it here. The Devils have the third best record in the NHL right now. The Devils had a 13-game winning streak, which I can almost bet money will not happen again, maybe in my entire life, Dan. Because 13 wins in a row was a franchise record. Like Tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, I spent my whole life not seeing a 13-game winning streak. Not a lot of teams do it, yeah. No, not a lot of teams do it. The Devils have won 21 out of 27 road games as as we're recording this. The Devils have had 19 comeback wins. The Devils, in a sense, if this was another team that we're talking about, Dan, we would say they've overachieved a little bit. And that's okay. That's okay. That's fine. I'd rather overachieve than not. Mm -hmm. But my point is that you got to strike while the iron's hot here. You have to do right by this team and and add some talent to compete because you don't want to say, yeah, we all thought this would be a playoff bubble team at best and we're there in the playoffs. So we're happy we made the playoffs. Like, no, I want a little bit more. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to beat our hatred rivals in the first round. If the Devils can go on a nice run, you know, if they acquit themselves quite well in the second round or they go all the way further beyond the second round, that would make the season even better. And again, you've got the roster, you've got the health, you just need to add that additional winger and maybe a def- depth defenseman. And hey, if you want to update the goaltending position because you can't trust Blackwood, I could I could belie by that. Although I think that's more of a June problem as opposed to a yeah, March yeah. 3rd problem. Agreed but but I think I think you got to do something, Dan. You can't just stand pat and just say, "Well, we're just gonna you know wait until Luke Hughes shows up and hope and pray he, he can jump into the NHL right away." Which maybe he can, but uh, you know, whatever. yeah, I agree with you. I thought we all learned the lesson back in 2017, 18 that it's really hard to get to the playoffs uh, just because it happens once. There's no guarantee that you will develop in the way that you expect to. There's no guarantee that you'll be back. So if we have an opportunity as one of the undisputed six best teams in the National Hockey League, then you have as good a chance as really anyone to win. So reward this team, make it worth their while, really show that 
you uh, you appreciate the effort that they've put into making this season as exciting as it has been so far and as exciting as we hope it'll continue to be. That's just my stance on it. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of obvious to me. But um, that being said, we'll see what Fitzgerald does. And again, there's, there's no need yeah. to rush anything specific. It's there's a year there's an argument to be made where again you are one of the six best teams but on that end where are you of those six when you talk about boston carolina tampa bay and the playoffs where do you not to end me- among those not to mention our hated rivals already at a tarasenko yep. not to mention that uh, other teams are adding uh to make their rosters better so yeah you're you may be among the top six now but are you going to be among those top six on april 12th and when you're looking into the future, are you more likely to be higher up in that top six? I would say so than a lot of those teams anyway. So it's a, it's a careful balance that he has to achieve. And remember that Jesper Brad is also due for a big uh, raise as well after the season. But a balancing act that, uh, I mean, so far he's handled making this roster what it is today. So we'll see what happens next. It's, it's kind of, you know, out of everyone's control. And we've all heard the rumors. Now it's just waiting for the moment of execution realistically absolutely and i'll just say as one final point dan yep do not move dawson mercer not just because he has a four game goal streak as we're talking about this i mean it's nice that he has a four game goal streak but we're talking about a 21 year old player who is providing a lot of excellent value and now that mr ruff is finally playing him like he should be should have been playing him yeah you know we're talking about a guy who could give you 25 goals 60 points on a regular basis like this is a solid dude who's still on an elc for another season this is the guy that you want to lock up long term that's not a guy that you move to get a timo meyer or whomever else this is the guy that you settle on if if san jose is going to hold on and say i want your 21 year old budding stud winger you know one, I doubt that they're going to go to Carolina and say, hey, give me Seth Jarvis, because Carolina will just laugh in their face. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think, I don't know who was even 21 years old on Las Vegas. But um, the point here is that draw the line at Mercer. Yeah, I, I think that's not really a serious conversation. I think that's yeah. a lot of garbage. Uh, yeah. But either way, um, we'll, like, like I said, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. I don't think Mercer is a serious consideration there, but thank you for saying that. I think uh, people it are getting to be a, little too, uh, a little too hung up on that fact, which is, again, probably not even true. Um, in regards to the podcast, we'll have more news about that. But what we can say is that it'll continue uninterrupted. So thank you all for sticking with us. And uh, with that, let's wrap up this episode with a hearty let's go devils as usual. And we'll catch you uh, sometime next week. <laughs>